Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Nikki Ogden, team member of the Happy Hour podcast. Due to an unexpected crisis, Jamie is going to be delaying her book publicity and tour. She's also going to take a break from social media, public appearances, and recording new shows at this time. We want to give her space to process, discern, and recover. We are so incredibly thankful for the community that Jamie has built here at the Happy Hour, and we know that you want to share your love and support for her. The best way that you can do that is by listening to this pre-recorded show and sharing this episode with a friend. We're so thankful for you. Mike, welcome to the happy hour. Hi, Jamie. Super excited that you're here and that we get to connect and have a conversation. Um, So I would love for you to introduce yourself. Where do you live? What do you do? All the things about you. Yes. Well, I live in San Diego with uh, my wife of 28 years and our two little fluffy Pomeranians. Uh, Our kids are uh, older now. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm an executive coach, uh, work with lots of people and their their biggest problems and challenges. And I love doing that. I've been doing that probably uh, over over two decades of working with people just in um, one-on-one situation. I work with Lots of fun people too, like Navy SEALs and HDTV stars and Grammy uh, winning artists, like just, and, and, you know, Chick-fil-A operators, normal people, everybody. And I just love getting to dive into, uh, uh, you know, what's, what's underneath the surface of their mm-hmm. lives and, and help them really find breakthrough and hopefully have what I call aha moments or OMG moments where they're yeah. just like, clarity comes in and then they can take action on their lives. And, um, yeah, so I, I love, I love doing what I do. I, I enjoy, uh, enjoy just helping people and being a good friend to them and a, a, a thought partner in their life. Well, as I was prepping for this interview last night, Mike, I was thinking I need to make sure two things don't happen on the conversation today. Okay. Cause two things that I want to happen are, I want this to become a free executive coaching call with Jamie and Mike. And, Let's do it. And I want to ask you all the questions about life when you've launched your kids into the world because we're right behind it. But I told myself, uh, yeah. Jamie, don't do it. Don't spend all your time getting all your questions answered. <laughs> but in all reality, we have one in college and then three in high school. And so two of them are seniors. And we have this this feeling that we're at the end of something in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely don't think that parenting's over and all the things, but I do think there's a very real end to what we're up against. And then we start something new. And for the first time in our parenting, we feel that. So, you know, how long have you guys been without your kids living at your house? Yeah, we've been, uh, gosh, probably, uh, over a year or so. Okay. And it's been great. I feel like, um, you know, it definitely, it's a transition for, for everybody. Um, parenting has its phases. I always, when I'm working with clients, I always say there's kind of three phases of parenting. There's, uh, the dependent stage where our relationship with our kids are, they're fully dependent on us. And then phase two is the independence stage where 
our, our children are now want to be as far away from us as possible and want not, won't even recognize us right. or, or uh, admit that we actually live on the planet Earth. Uh-huh. We have that phase where they, they stretch their wings and need to find their own independence. But then the third stage of what I call interdependence, which is where you still, they, they have reliance on you, but they're also their own people. Mm. And that's really the healthiest form of relationship. I always tell parents, you have to do phase two, the independence phase, really well mm. if you have any hope of getting to phase three of the interdependence where they actually come back. Wow. And you can be a guide, mentor, coach, a friend with them. But if you don't do the independence phase well, it gets a little clunky in phase three. So what does it mean to do it well? I would guess that some things of doing it poor would be not allowing them to have that independence, taking it personally, which would be my main struggle in parenting my entire life. And I just say I'm getting so much better at not taking things personally. But how does a parent do that well? How do we do that stage well? Well, I think you're naming some of the, the real important awareness that we need to have is that it isn't personal. It's actually a natural transition in life. It's an important transition in life. Uh, a lot of times parents want to continue the dependence stage, continue to like cook all their meals, do their laundry, uh, you know, basically have, uh, I don't want to say, <laughs> well, just have adults who act like children. Right. Um, because we never actually allowed them to have mm-hmm. the independence to um, sometimes it means allowing them to fail mm-hmm. and not do well. That's yeah. hard for a parent to watch their child struggle, yeah. but that's part of phase two. And so mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of keep phase one going of dependence, but we really need to launch them into independence mm-hmm. so we can have the phase three of interdependence, you know, early 20s, uh, and then hopefully for a lifetime. And the, the beautiful thing about lifetime, my, yeah. my relationship with my kids is, they they're in the we're in the phase three interdependence stage and they still want to hang out with me they still want to hang out with my wife you know we we still love each other and care about each other but phase two was rough that was a hard phase but it was an important phase to get to to where we're at today all the parents listening are like yes amen it is rough it is hard i think that is something that i have My kids, just so everyone knows, and so you know too, Mike, are at this point, this conversation will be 20, 18, 18, and 16. Mm -hmm. And so they're big. They're doing their thing. One's a sophomore. The other two will be leaving this year to go into whatever's next after high school. And then our son is already away at university. And I think I wish, I, if I could go back and say one thing to parents is I wish that as they hit that high school, that kind of like wanting more independence, I wish I wouldn't have taken the hormones, the moodiness, the interdependence. I wish I wouldn't have taken it personally sometimes. Yeah. And it wasn't even that I took that out on them. It was just, it would affect me. And Aaron and I had this saying in our house, we're like, we're not going to get on whatever train they're riding. Like we're going to let them ride that train and they can be on that moody hormonal train. And that's fine because they're dealing with things but we don't have to get on it. We can just watch it from the sidelines, you know, and wave at them when they go by. Uh, But that's been one of the hardest things. Well, thank you for that little tidbit of help right there. That's so great. It's so helpful, you know, and um, I I would imagine the conversation is even, you can even differentiate between what is, these would be generalizations, but what would be generalized that a mom would struggle with more versus a dad struggling with more and Mm -hmm. um, so on and so on. But I want to talk to you today about a book that you released early 2023 called The Seven Primal Questions, Take Control of the Hidden Forces That Drive You. 
And I remember when this book came through and A, it has a beautiful cover. So it stopped me in my tracks because I was like, <laughs> oh, what is this about? Seven primal questions. And then I was really intrigued because you do a lot of work with people of helping them find their purpose and you're mm-hmm. a valued resource in that and respected leader in that area. And it makes me think of, I'm 45, I think I'm 45, 45, um, you know, married, work outside the home. And sometimes I often wonder, like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Mike, I'm sure you hear this often, but you're like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing this for? What is all the things? And so as I got into your book, I was like, this is really, really helpful. So talk to me a little bit about where this came from and how you've seen this help other people as you dive into these questions. Yeah, you know, one of the things as a as a counselor and a coach is trying to understand really at the core what drives us. What are the things that are most important to us? And really the book is is helping uh our emotions make sense, helping our lives make sense, helping us understand our triggers and mm-hmm. you know even our parenting styles and our romantic relationships are all informed by this primal question. And the primal question is is basically the thing underneath the thing that drives everything. And once you understand it and once you have language for uh your primal question and why it's there and what it means and what it's wanting uh, we can then take control of our lives and we can understand. It's really like all of a sudden the fog is blown away, the lights are turned up, and we really understand ourselves in a, in a really fresh way. And so, you know, I, I always say the book is really about making your emotions make sense to help mm. understand your triggers, help you avoid repeating patterns uh, that, you know, like, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep doing that over and over again? I, I should know better. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the primal question that's driving that. And you, and I always say to people, to people that the primal question isn't a problem. It's something to understand, which then is going to allow you to have this new sense of clarity about your purpose, mm-hmm. your relational superpower. You know, this parenting little conversation that we did, so much of your reaction to perhaps your your child's independence is going to run through that filter of whatever your primal question might be. Mm. So the book is really just helping people understand what is the emotional command center of their life? uh, What are their strengths and opportunities because of that particular question? And by the way, the, the question gets imprinted in our early childhood. Basically, the primal question is a question that went unanswered or was confusing to a child. And so we we carry it now into our adulthood and we keep asking it mm. over and over again. And we get and when we get a yes to our primal question, life is good. We feel good inside. We're our best selves. But when that primal question is answered with a no or a maybe, we go into what I call the scramble. And the scramble is all the ways, all the coping mechanisms, all the dysfunctional choices, all the 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 people pleasing all the perfectionism all the things that we do to try to force the answer to our primal question back to a yes wow and so once we understand the model once we understand the question life just makes a whole lot more sense it's kind of like you said you help people have that aha and that omg moment and i would imagine that you've had people figure this out and go everything's falling into place and everything's making sense 
It does. And, and, and listen, this is not just like a, a little idea that I wrote a book about. It's five years of research, 6,000 hours of one-on-one interviews, 22 group labs. Uh, it is, it is absolutely true, uh, uh, in terms of understanding who we are. Mm. And so a lot of us think like, well, um, you know, I just need love or I just need to belong. But but there's actually the seven questions represent seven emotional needs and that emotional need drives everything. So when that emotional need is unmet, you know, it's basically your primal question being mm-hmm. answered with a no, you, you're your worst self because you're now trying to force mm. and do all these things that undermine your life to get back to yes. I'll give you an example of, of okay. two questions and how this might work. So question number one is the question, am I safe? That's my primal question. Everything I do in my life is through the lens of safety. Okay. So I like to, I want to be loved, which is a different primal question, or I want to be wanted, which is a different primal question. Mm-hmm. But safety is the core driver, the command center of my life. And that that happened because in my early childhood, there was abuse um, by this, this family friend. And I never felt protected as a child. So what happened, so my primal question of am I safe gets answered with a no, mm-hmm. like a heck no, a big, big no, okay, in that abuse. And so now I try to take control of my safety, okay, by, you know, being super hyper vigilant, by having six security cameras around my house, by having 22 nightlights in my house. Uh, here's my parenting style, Jamie. I want to know, I want to make sure that my kids are safe, mm. okay? Everything, it, I, I, don't, I want them to feel loved, but I'm more interested in their safety. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the, the theme of my life, but it's also within our primal question comes a superpower because what, what the research shows is that we take our own primal question and we put it over everybody else and assume that they're asking the same question. Okay. So I'm interacting with you right now, assuming that you're asking the primal question of, am I safe? Mm -hmm. And so what do I do really well? I answer that question with a yes. Mm. It's why my entire life, people have told me their deepest, darkest secrets after knowing them for five minutes. Because right? you make them feel safe. I make them feel safe. And mm-hmm. so every question, every primal question comes with a superpower. It comes with this amazing gift that we can bring to the world. But again, if we don't know what our primal question is, we're not going to know what our primal gift is either. It's so interesting. Okay, so I took the quiz. Yes. Okay. So there's a, so in this book, which is really great, there is a place where you can take an assessment. I'm sure it's on your webpage as well. I'm assuming. Yeah. It's just primalquestion.com has the assessment and yeah. it's free and it takes a, just a couple minutes. Perfect. Okay. Well, what I want to do before I tell you mine is I want you to go through the seven and just give an overview of the seven sure. if you could, and then I'll tell you which one I, I tested as. Okay, great. So, and I'll, as I go through them, I'll give you the what I call the kryptonite, the thing that's going to send you into your your scramble right away okay. and just kind of like have somebody shake your snow globe um, and the superpower. So okay. am I safe? So again, this is the need for, for security, protection. Uh, these people do not like surprises. It's like, do not throw Mike Foster a surprise party. That'd be the <laughs> worst thing you could do. Okay. Yeah. They, they don't want to be physically hurt. They won't, don't want to be emotionally hurt. So they're very hyper vigilant. They're very risk, uh, aware, uh, 
you know, they can think into the future, predicting all the problems. Okay. So their kryptonite is really in, anything that feels in, unstable. Okay. They, they, anything that would be surprising or, uh, you know, come out of the woodwork that sends them and they, that's a big no to their primal mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. Uh, their superpower is really this ability to make people feel safe, create mm -hmm. these environments of protection for people. Yeah. Question two is the question, am I secure? And this is really has to do with financial resource. These folks tend to grow up in homes where money was tight. There maybe wasn't enough. Uh, there was a lack of resource, the bill collector knocking on the door, you know, Christmas is going to be smaller this year because dad got laid off. There's mm. all this sort of financial insecurity. And so they're very focused on money and resources and having enough. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's primal question is, am I secure? And if you look at his life, like the reason why he's a movie star and so successful has nothing to do with rustling mm. or uh, weightlifting or anything like that. It has to do with because he has been trying to answer his primal question of am I secure wow. with a yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. By the way, he named his his company Seven Bucks Production because everything that drives him, and he talks openly about this, he had seven bucks in his pocket at, at one point of his wow. life. Mm -hmm. And he tells a story about like that was the thing that motivated me to take ownership yeah. of my life and become Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. So security. Yeah. Um Am I loved is question three. And this is really the need to feel feel seen and known and listened to and heard. Um, these are our empath experts. These are the people that, because again, you take your primal question and you put over everybody else. So they're always interacting with others and they just want want you to know that you're loved, okay? That they're listening, that you're known, that you're valued, right? Mm -hmm. um, Adele, if you look at Adele, her primal question is, Am I loved? And it, it totally makes sense because she grew up in a home where she didn't feel loved by her father at all. And she talks openly about this in interviews. Uh, in fact, she talked a lot about this with Oprah uh, last year. And she uh, she didn't feel loved by her father. Okay. And if you look at her, uh, uh, her songs, all her songs are about what? being loved, okay? Mm -hmm. Or not being loved. Mm -hmm. It's all, you look at her in interaction with her fans. She, you know, go to her shows. She's out there with her fans. She loves her fans. She wants relationship with her fans. Her fans are, she sees her fans. She treats them like real people. All of this is driven by her need to be loved and to give love to others. Mm. Um, Q4, am I wanted? This is about the need to feel uh, uh, included, connected, to belong. Bob Goff's primal question is, am I wanted? Mm. And again, that was because he felt faced a lot of rejection in his childhood by his parents. And you look at Bob, uh, Bob's a, if you don't know Bob, Bob's this amazing guy. Bob, you see Bob taking his primal gift, his question and putting it over everybody else. It assumes everybody else in the world is asking the question, am I wanted? Right. And he wants to answer that with a big yes. Come over to my house. Let's fly to, let's fly to, uh, you know, Asia and go on a trip together. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, I'm your best friend. Bob put his phone number in the back of his book. Yes, okay? he did. <laughs> Give me a call. Okay. Uh -huh. And by the way, every time Bob gets a call from somebody, his yeah. primal question of am I wanted is being answered with a yes. Mm. 
but he's also answering it somebody else for somebody yeah. else who he thinks mm -hmm. has a primal question of or need of being wanted. Yeah. He's answering that with a yes. Question five, am I successful? This is really about performance. These kids, these, these individuals tend to grow up in homes where it's very competitive, sibling rivalry. Mom and dad were very, uh, I just call parenting with, with scorekeepers, you know, scorekeepers on the grades, scorekeepers mm -hmm. in sports, whatever it might be. It's like winning was really important. So these people really uh, are about success and avoiding failure at all costs. Okay. Winners win. Okay. That's mm -hmm. their motto. And they tend to be very successful business people, very good at what they do because they know how to be successful. They know how to answer their own primal question with a yes. Question six, am I good enough? This is really uh, someone who grew up in a very critical home, somebody whose parents were always, they felt judged, um, like they never measured up. And so they carry this question of, am I good enough? I always say every child actor has question six, am I good enough? Okay. <laughs> because they were judged and criticized for their performance. Mm -hmm. Every Disney Channel star has this question because that this whole focus on being good enough mm got messed up in early childhood on that imprint. And now they keep asking as adults, am I good enough? Am I good enough? When they get a yes, they feel great. When they get a no, you know, they, they go into their, their scramble. And again, the, probably the crypt, not probably the kryptonite for this question is uh, any type of, of criticism, any mm. type of judgment. This is, if you're working with somebody on your team who has a Q6, you have to be very careful about feedback. But the thing that they love is affirmation, mm. encouragement, affirming their value. They tend to be very high performers, by the way, because yeah. again, they work really hard. They tend to be perfectionists too. They work really hard to be good enough. Mm -hmm. And then question seven, last question, do I have purpose? And these are folks who, the, it's really interesting, Jamie, the research shows that if you grew up in a faith-based or religious home, that oftentimes a very high majority of those people have Q7 as their question because purpose, impact are really important to uh, religious or faith-based homes. They're about God's going to use you. Mm -hmm. You're, you can say, you know, saving the world, rescuing, you know, building wells in Africa, whatever it is, like that's the language of our childhood. But oftentimes that can be confusing because what happens if you're a middle manager at a big corporation and you feel like you're not having impact, you're not mm -hmm. doing anything significant. These are our visionaries and sometimes get stuck in places where people don't want their vision okay, mm -hmm. or they're not able to express their vision. So there's a lot of angst. But those are the seven questions. Again, all of us are going to have pieces of all seven in us, but there's one that drives the ship. So as you, as I got the book and as I was looking through them and I mean, just the titles of all of them, I'm like, yes, 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 right. yes. I am a yes to all of them. And so I read about them and I still, and I took the quiz and I landed with number seven. Mm -hmm. Um, do I have a purpose? Yes. And, um, as you were describing it, it kind of like I did grow up in a like a religious home. And I'm like, yes. oh, maybe this is where it came from. Because all the others you're describing like these hard things in childhood. And I think everyone has hard things in childhood. It is what it mm -hmm. is. I tell my kids all the time, I try to be the best mom I can. And you're going to come out being like, mom, you really screwed me up in this area. I'll be like, I know. I'm so sorry. Um, 
but I didn't suffer abuse. I didn't like these things were not a part of my childhood. And then you said that I'm like, I wonder if that's where it came from. Because the whole time I was wondering, where is this coming from for me? Like, where is this purpose thing coming from for me? Um, but that's what mine was. Yes. Well, it totally makes sense. And by the way, it doesn't always have to be a, a, a primal question doesn't need trauma to get imprinted in our childhood. It simply needs confusion. And, and a basically, it's our child logic that we try to use mm. and try to understand the world. So like when I'm trying to get safety, I'm going to do all the things that a child would think that he needs to do to feel safe. Okay. Pay attention to all the details, uh, isolate, uh, take hyper control. Well, that's child logic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Adult logic says, Hey, Mike, you don't need the hypervigilance. Yeah. You don't need the over control. You are safe. You live in a nice suburb of San Diego. Okay. So for you, your purpose question, isn't that your parents did anything wrong. It's just that in the mix of the conversations and, and at church and, and these different influences that were on you, that whole concept of purpose wasn't fully built out and clear for you. Mm. See, probably this is maybe the way you think about purpose. I have to do something mm -hmm. in order to have purpose, yep. right? Mm -hmm. I have to have impact. I have to do something meaningful mm -hmm. or big or significant to have purpose. But you and I, and that's a, let's just call that child logic. Mm -hmm. The adult logic, and Jamie, when you're standing in your healthiest self, you know, every single day of my life is loaded with purpose. Mm -hmm whether it's me driving my kids to school or me showing up for a friend and having coffee that nobody sees mm -hmm. that nobody's going to write a book about nobody's interested in, right? They're not going to do a podcast, uh, have you on their podcast yep. and talk to you about bringing your kid to school. Right. Yeah, right. But that stuff is full of purpose. And yeah. so that's, that's, that's when we understand the question, we can then start coaching ourselves around that question as our healthy adult, versus allowing the the kid logic to drive the question and how we answer it with a yes. I love that. When you were giving that example right now, I feel like I had a lot of clarity because I remember, Mike, when um, my kids are all really close in age. So they're all within four years. Three of them joined our family through adoption. So they're all, it's impossible to birth what I have in my family. But when they were younger, I struggled with what am I doing with my life? You know what I mean? And I think a yes. lot of moms who have the privilege of staying home with their kids might feel this as well. And I would watch my husband go off to work and I would watch him do what I thought were quote unquote amazing, great, big things. And I would look around at my life and feel like this is a waste. Like, what am I doing? Um, I think in my head, I knew that what I was doing was a gift and it was full of mm -hmm. purpose, but I didn't have that feeling. And when you were describing them, I'm like, that was me. That was what mm -hmm. I felt. And so I don't feel that as often anymore, but it does come up in my life sometimes. And I, yes. I wouldn't have thought about it that way until just now. It's so interesting as you're talking, all these things are coming back to me. I feel like I'm in a counseling session. I remember one time a friend said to me very flippantly, um, Wow, I was telling her I was going on a trip. And she's like, Wow, I can't believe you're leaving your kids again to travel. And that hit me. Like, I've never forgotten it. Like, I didn't hold it against her, but like, I still remember it and I still feel it because I felt like, Wow, 
what I'm doing, it does make me a bad mom. Like I can't do this and be a good mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see how this would be so helpful in parenting as well. So I'm sitting yes. here thinking, I've already told you I have these big kids and they're growing into their own people. And I would love for them to even take this quiz and and figure out like what would be something that they would feel it would help me as a mom even. I mean, this is so helpful in relationships across the board, whether it's a an employee empl- or boss situation or parenting or spouses. I can see how it'd be so beneficial. Now, here's my totally. question for you, Mike. What then do we do to continue to pursue great relationships with people when we know what their primary question is? Or even knowing my own, what do I need to do to, I can't let that person's comment make me, I still remember it. Like I got to let that go. So how do we function once we know our primary question? Yeah. So one of the things that that I talk about in the book is the prescription or the 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 cure, the the coaching advice that I would give to people once they know their primal question is that we need to move from living in the question to living in what I call the primal truth. And that's where we take our question and turn it into a statement. Mm. So the, the question of am I safe now becomes I am safe. And I can show up each day Again, this is am I, I am safe is really my healthy mm-hmm. adult self. I can remind myself that I'm not this little kid anymore. I can remind myself that I'm a six four man, mm-hmm. okay, who has resource protection, has a home. He's in <laughs> he's in suburban San yeah. Diego. <laughs> like I'm not in danger. And so for you, it's not asking the question anymore. Okay, because when we ask the question, we give people the power over our emotional state. I give others like whether they answer yes, okay, great, I'm gonna feel good when you answer it with a yes. But then if I get a no or a maybe, now I'm gonna get all triggered and all mm-hmm. sassy and really angry or controlling or whatever the coping mechanism to the the no. We simply need to take the question off the table and turn it into a statement. Mm. I have purpose. And you may think it's really strange for me to go travel and leave my kids, but I I don't need you to answer any question Mm -hmm. around my purpose because I know I already have it. It's really this overflow, right? Mm -hmm. We don't, when when you're living the question, you're, you're needing an input. You're needing somebody to put something into you. You need that. Yes. Okay. And when you get the no, Mm -hmm. then you're, you're emotionally activated. But when you're living from your primal truth, it means I don't need to, I don't need to be concerned about my safety. Mm. I I am safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't have to be concerned about how much more impact you need to make in your life to have a purpose. You already have one. Mm. You know, Bob Goff, Bob, you are wanted. And so Bob's healthiest choices and decisions are going to be made when he shows up and he goes, I am wanted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not am I wanted? That's so good simple. It, there's a lot of complexity to the primal question, even though it's various simple yeah. concept. Mm-hmm. But once you see it and once you know it, you're like, oh, mm. okay, this is what's going on. So whenever my wife and I are in conflict, we don't get into the nonsense or the drama or the story or the narrative. It's irrelevant around what's going on. It's about taking out the trash. It's about the dishes. It's about, you know, dates, like what not enough date time. That's not, that's not the issue. Mm. The issue is she's answering my primal question with a no. I'm not feeling safe. Okay. Or I'm answering her primal question, which is, am I loved with a no? 
Okay. So like for me, the only thing I have to do to have a successful relationship with Jennifer Foster is learn how to answer a primal question with a yes, kind of two or three key things. And I do those two or three key things in the relationship. Well, we've been married almost 30 years now. It doesn't really matter what the details are about mm -hmm. stuff. It, it's simply the, the, the again, it, the primal question is the command center of your life. Okay. It is the thing that drives everything. And if somebody can have a really positive, affirming relationship with that thing within Jamie around purpose, you're, you're going to like that person. Okay. Mm. You're going to keep, you're going to have a successful relationship with that person, whether it's your husband, whether it's a boss, whether it's a friend, you get yeses to that primal question. That's a, that's going to be a healthy relationship. And the inverse is also true. You get no's or maybes to that primal question. It ain't going to last. Mm. It ain't going to work. And so again, part of my work with couples is just helping them see what's going on here. Pull back the curtain it has nothing to do with ministry or jobs or date nights or sex or finances. It has everything to do with your spouse's highest emotional need, their primal question not being met. Mm. Well, this resource is very... Um what's the word I'm trying to say? It's accessible. It's very accessible. Like I, I don't, like you even said, like this isn't the hardest thing to figure out, but it's like, once you know it, it makes so much difference. And so um, we'll put a link to all of this in our show notes because it's really, really great. And I'm assuming that um, after they take the quiz, they can get connected with you in other ways as well. Where can people find you and all the things that you're offering? Yeah. But best place to go is just primalquestion.com. You can take the free quiz there in a couple minutes and it really can start, start the journey. But also on the site, there's a bunch of videos about how primal question works in romantic relationships, how the primal question works at, in work or in business, um, all how the model works. I mean, there's lots of videos and resources there and just primalquestion.com is probably the best place to go to kind of start this journey. And and again, it's not complicated, but I can't tell you how many people have just had like aha moments mm -hmm. about this. And like they've done years and years of therapy or they've had years and years of struggle in a particular relationship. And once they identify their question, it's like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that's exactly what's been going on. And then it empowers them to make the mm. necessary changes and have those necessary conversations with the people that they care about the most. It's so interesting because even I had that aha of like, oh, I remember when I first started doing what I'm doing now, it really came down to, do I have a yes from you that I have a purpose? Like literally, yes. it wasn't about childcare. It wasn't about travel. It was about, do you think I have a purpose? That's so true. I'm blown away. It, I'm like, this is great. I did get my counseling session, Mike. This is so great. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, anytime, Jamie, I, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to talk through these things and I, I love you know, th that's my favorite thing is when somebody has kind of an aha moment. And my hope, Jamie, is that you'll you'll leave this conversation and your viewers will leave this conversation going, okay, I now know what's going mm. on here. And now I know what to do. And so we don't have to be live at the mercy of kind of our wounds or our confusion from our childhood or our trauma. Or we don't have to like live always triggered and kind of like, what the heck is going on with my emotions? We can know 
Yeah. And when we know, we can then invite our healthy adult self to do something about what we know. So good. So good. You guys, the seven primal questions take control of the hidden forces that drive you. It's out. It's available. Go pick it up. Mike, grateful for you. Thank you so much. I'd love to hear from you before we go. What are you reading these days? Yes. Uh, well, I got it here on my desk. It's this book, The Myth of Normal. Oh. Now, I must warn you. It's very it's big, thick, <laughs> but a fantastic read. And it really has a, Gabor Mate, who's a, a trauma expert and addiction expert, talks a lot about many of the things that uh, I quote him quite a bit in the seven primal questions uh, about how the influence of early childhood trauma influences mm. who we become. And so great read, really important read. Also, um, you know, he's got some other books, too, that I, I highly recommend. But that's the current one. The Myth of Normal is is on Mike Foster's desk right now. I love it. So, Mike, well, thank you so much. The Seven Primal Questions, you got the, the book is out wherever you can get books. And more importantly, I say go to the webpage. We'll link it in the show notes. Everything's going to be there. Take the quiz. See if you can get an aha moment for yourself. And um, Mike, thanks for the work that you're doing. Thanks, Jamie. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell, and the show is edited by Jason Talley.